Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 185. I'm your host, Brian Williams, and this is our 2017 holiday special. And instead of our usual fare of Star Trek episode reviews, we are going to discuss Star Wars The Last Jedi exclusively. This is a spoiler-filled podcast. Field? No, filled. Uh, Spoiler-filled podcast. So if you have not seen the movie, please stop immediately and go check it out. Uh, Joining me, as always, is Stephen Embry. Hello. And in addition to Steve... Uh, Mr. Caesar is on vacation. Uh, in addition to Steve, we have the two awesome guests that we had last year on our podcast discussing Rogue One, I believe. Uh, first up is Brian McCaughey. Can you say hello and tell people, remind people who you are and what you do? Hi there. Uh, I own a company called Double Plus Good that does a lot of movie trailers and commercials and uh, a lot of stuff aimed at uh, you know the sci-fi, maybe youth market stuff from Hasbro transformers and things of that nature and uh lifelong diehard star wars fan since the first one came out and also joining us rejoining us is dominic nardi can you say hello and remind people who you are hello i'm a political scientist by day but by night i'm a jedi knight who um, will occasionally blog about star wars and science fiction on my blog nardi views i've been a fan of star wars since uh probably the uh, early 90s um, really just been an important part of my life, important part of defining who I am, how I, my understanding of the world. So um, excited to be here. Thanks. Cool. So let's just jump right into it. Again, spoilers, people, spoilers. All right. Um, Dom, uh, you remind us very briefly how you felt about The Force Awakens. Sure. So... I was initially a bit disappointed. I thought it relied a bit too much on nostalgia, uh, too much of uh, uh, repeated too much of A New Hope, and it felt like a rejection of the prequels and a reintroduction of Star Wars. But as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I didn't really feel like I needed that reintroduction. I've since right, thought so, about it over the years, but you know that was my initial view. All right, so you're you're sitting down, you're watching. How many times have you seen you? seen force awake or excuse me uh, last jedi so far i've only seen it once just just been busy the past week but i saw it opening night all right so how did you feel as as the movie starts up and we get the crawl again we didn't get during uh uh rogue one what were your kind of Um, what was your initial impression i was excited and i was hoping i was hopeful with rain johnson that it would be a, a bold it would be a different star wars movie and it was um i was pretty overwhelmed through much of it but I came away from the theater really quite happy with it. And my my big question, and we can discuss this later, is whether it, it, I like it as a movie. I'm not sure. I, I like it as a metatextual commentary on Star Wars. I don't know how well it continues the story of the original trilogy. That's something I'm still trying to work out. Brian, what were your uh, initial thoughts? You've seen it. I, uh, twice, right? Twice. You and I saw it on Thursday, and then each since then, each of us have seen it separately. But you took your family to see it. I've seen the 2D version, and I've seen the 3D IMAX version. And uh, Force Awakens, uh, just like this movie, was a movie that I, you know, when, upon seeing it, was really kind of underwhelmed and disappointed by. But you know, when they once they enter the pantheon and become part of the catalog of Star Wars, meaning that something you can pick up on your shelf or you automatically see it on the menu on iTunes, it just sort of all that. 
harsh feelings I have just sorts of goes away. And I started to feel that upon the second viewing as well. Even though I still have my criticisms about the movie, the second viewing kind of lets me just put that at ease. And so I, I consider myself to be a person who's not a fan of the movie, but I'm okay with it. Steve. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You liked First, Force Awakens, right? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it fine. Um, I didn't think it was like a work of art or something like that. But Steve I thought Force Awakens was a work of art. Got it. Right. <laughs> Best thing ever. No, I, I thought it was. I thought it was fine and entertaining. Um, I do understand much of the criticisms that were, uh, you know, placed on it uh, by many critics. Um, yeah, and I. Uh, I thought this. I thought the Last Jedi was better than that, uh, broad, broadly speaking, and um, it was very entertaining. And uh, it, it seemed long, it was long, um, but uh, I, I overall enjoyed it. It, um, I think, I, I think I might, you know, we all come from a different place, you know, all of us on this podcast here, and I, I've always been a fan but not uh, like a mega fan you know i mean i enjoy the films and you know i'm familiar with it but i haven't seen them like a huge number of times that kind of thing so it's uh it's more of just like oh you know a fun event and i don't i probably don't uh, analyze it on the de- level of detail as maybe some of the others here well you know that's the weird thing about uh this thing uh, i talked with brian quite a bit on thursday night like I've got my my critics hat, you know, my very analytical, uh, trying to be almost objective, which is not really possible to do when you're making your opinion about a movie. Um, but that's kind of how I approach it when I'm watching movies generally, even a Star Wars movie. But I also have the Star Wars fan in me that wants to come out of this movie and and want to watch it over and over and over. For example, I I. I I think you can objectively argue that um, I don't know Phantom Menace the prequels but let's say especially Phantom Menace I think you can objectively argue that it's not a good movie right but I love that movie I can watch that movie over and over mm-hmm. and over I walked out of it wanting to watch it again when I watched it again I would watch it over and over and over you know I remember when it came out on tape I played it over and over on disc I played it over and, over. and the, you know the Blu-ray has spun a million times. Um, so that's not the that's a different hat. So there's there's kind of two two lanes here, right? There's the the critic and it's just the Star Wars fan. Um, I think the critic in me liked the Last Jedi, and my my instincts about it were overall positive. There were a couple of obvious things, no, but uh, overall positive. Overall, I liked it. The Star Wars fan in me. Um, was left wanting um, mm. because I didn't feel like I didn't want to like rewatch it immediately when I did see it. See, I saw it on Thursday. And then the second time I saw it, it was on Sunday when I saw it on Sunday, boy, did I feel that two and a half hour running time. And when I walked out of that version, I'm like, man, I do not want to see this again until it comes on, on disc. And even then, like, I'm not going to be spinning this, you know, I'll be watching it like once and then putting it up, putting it to bed for six months or a year or something. Um, and so the part of me that, which is, that's not necessarily a fair thing to say, uh, oh, I don't want to watch this movie two times in a row. So there's something wrong with it. Obviously, that's not <laughs> fair. But 
that's that's what I want. Out of, realistically, honestly, that's what I want out of a Star Wars movie. And and maybe not getting that left me a little wanting. At least those, that was my my kind of um, of initial impression. Um, you guys all. Uh, I mean, this is the the longest Star Wars movie, two and a half hours. Um, uh, I know Steve and I, or uh, Brian and I, discussed, for example, like the Canto Bite sequence. That right? Canto Bite? Is that the name of it? Canto Bite. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the sequence on the casino planet. That entire sequence. I don't know what that was, but that t- time wise, but you you could practically lift that out, change a couple of lines elsewhere, and it wouldn't it wouldn't make a difference on the movie. Um, in particular, the sequence when they're running through the city streets with the animals Fathiers. on the animals' backs. Fathiers. Um, Fathiers. I believe they're called Fathiers. I am your Fathier. <laughs> <laughs> you killed my Fathier. Uh, prepare to die. Um, yeah. That that sequence, it didn't really feel necessary. Um, I didn't enjoy it. The second time I saw the movie, I was kind of feeling like I was about to fall asleep. Um, by the time we get to the end section on um, the sandy or salty planet, um, believe me, I'm in it. I actually really like that from there to the from there to the tail. Well, not the very very end, but um, I like I like so much of it. But that's just one example where I mean the Canto Bite sequence is one example where I felt the two and a half hour running time, and I don't like that. Uh, did the running time bother you guys? Um, well, I, I certainly. Go sorry, go ahead. I certainly felt that uh, Rose could find uh, the, the running time is so simple to fix. Just like you said, Rose finds Poe or Finn trying to steal a um, an escape pod. She shocks him. He wakes up in the brig, and in the next cell next to him is is uh, uh, DJ. What's the guy's name is DJ. You know, DJ is right there uh, doing his usual suspects thing. And then it moves on right to there. And you don't need to have that, uh, pre what, what feels like a prequel trilogy planet. And that's kind of giving it a little bit too much credit because it, you know, if George Lucas had made that casino, I think it would have looked a little bit more star Wars, like, and less like something you might actually see on the strip in Vegas. So you do the, you do that and you've eliminated 30 minutes of runtime. And I think you got a better movie for well i think i think what's unfortunate too is that and you know we talk about you've talked about like what could be removed pretty easily or changed to cut it back but that that makes it um that detracts from what is a good ending you know a good last section like brian you were alluding to brian williams you were alluding to how solid that is but it start because of it's just that long and it keeps going it starts to feel like one of these movies that has like 10 endings and you know and it's like okay not yet not yet not yet not yet and and if they they would have cut some of this other superfluous stuff you know i don't think that would have that you would have felt that way you mean the extra endings wouldn't have felt like extra endings yeah they, it, w- yeah it would have it wouldn't have felt so like like a coda upon a coda upon a coda you know which yeah. I, I think it's tiresome so I wasn't a huge fan of the Canto Bite sequence just as um, as a part of the film, as a part of the plot. But I actually think it is important thematically, and I kind of wish I kind of wish that part had been a bit more engaging because it, it, it you do get that conversation between Rose and Finn about um, the one percent, the uh, the arms dealers, and also the plight of the common person, which you know, admittedly in Star Wars hasn't really been a focus of the movies, and that that comes up throughout this movie you know raising nobody the spoiler alert um 
you know, um, the kid at the end of the movie who is using the force to break, you know, it, it, the movie is suggesting that this is, this is really a populist version of Star Wars where, you know, the, the little people matter. And the Canto Bite sequence hit upon that theme. But yeah, it just, it wasn't as engaging. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 and that's the only tiny bit that we get that, that moment kind of like when they finish the, the run on those creatures and Rose says, well, it was worth it yeah. just to tear up that town. Um, that's the closest thing we get to character stuff for Rose, but yeah. it is, it's so thin uh, for, for character wise for Rose. It's so thin that I don't think, I don't feel like you would have lost anything. Well, I'm going almost- to complain later when we go through the characters about uh, kind of the lack of, I mean, Rose was cool, but she was, there wasn't much to her. Yeah, and it's all, and it's almost like it's rushed, even though it's long. Just to get that in, it's it becomes rushed and forced into the into mm-hmm. it, where she's kind of just there, and you don't get a lot of background and characterization about her. And then they then like someone decided later on, you know, we probably should give her something. And then they so they create this whole ridiculously long thing so they can have that one moment or whatever, you know. And, and if I'm not mistaken, all of Rose and Finn's actions in this movie don't pay off as anything positive for the resistance at all. I mean, they actually don't accomplish anything that they mean to do and completely <laughs> fail. Well, Finn kills Phasma. That's it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll add, you know, double down on that and say not only that they fail, but the fact that DJ was on the, the uh, First Order ship and was able to give away the location of those resistance transports means that their mission actually really hurt the resistance by the way that reminds me though how did did dj know about that the second time i watched it i do not see where um oh no maybe it was oh it was um uh poe said that was uh laura dern's plan yeah i think you overheard it on the yeah but the whole point of what they were doing was so that she wouldn't do that plan so i guess it's I guess it's he's just inferring that that's what they chose to do. Okay, but, I'll give it that. It's okay thematically for the movie. The movie's no, about failure. But this this leads me to the thing that I enjoyed the most about the movie was the way it kind of constantly surprised me. So, for example, mm-hmm. their plan failing, uh, that was a surprise. Um so many of the things they did. That's going to be like my recurring theme here, I think, today. So many of the things that happened were things that I, if I expected them to happen, I did not expect them to happen in this movie. Um, or just flat out surprised me. Uh, now, the downside to that overall um, is that I don't know where, I'm not ex- I'm not excited for the next one. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, we're gonna, we'll save that discussion for the end of, of this. But... Uh, I did enjoy at least the first time I watched it being constantly surprised right from the beginning. You know, Luke takes the lightsaber, mm. which I think that moment is supposed to be literally the end of Force Awakens, right? Yeah. Um, he takes it and he chucks it behind him. It was almost one step too far for me. Like almost maybe we're, I mean, I understand we're playing with uh, preconceptions and stuff. It was almost too. <laughs> There's a few um, humorous moments like that in this. That there'd yeah, be a it's, lot, you know, it's, it's, it's not close enough to <laughs> about it, but it is just kind of like, oh, that's they've never quite gone that far. Before. You know, in these, there's something. Yeah. 
It's but a very self-aware like, humor. It's a lot of things where he's doing things where he's uh, Ryan Johnson seems to be like, oh, I'm going to do the thing that defies expectations, and yeah. sometimes that works, and sometimes it reinforces why structure and certain conventions that are actually good and and work and i would say that as a result of a lot of that stuff where you're saying oh that doesn't pay off this doesn't lead to anything you know it makes you go oh okay well now i kind of appreciate the things that were done in previous films including force awakens but oh lando calrissian comes around and becomes a good guy i was kind of hoping for dj to have that moment you know so there would be something salvaged from this whole thing but it just didn't happen Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd go so far as maybe this isn't the reason, but maybe this um, contributes to the reason. You know, I've two of you have commented on how, as a Star Wars, you don't, you're not as satisfied as a Star Wars fan. Not saying as a, as a film fan or whatever, is the going so far against expectations that it crosses some kind of line, or maybe in that. It, again, this is a movie with so many red herrings that it's almost like that's kind of a deficiency in the end. It's nice to be surprised, and I, I, like I said, I enjoy the movie. And I think it's entertaining and, and quality, but it feels like almost it. It, it, is, it maybe it hurts its rewatch value when like so yeah. much of what happens is doesn't make any difference, you know, in in a way to the the, the end consequence. That's what I'm worried about because I've I've only watched it once. I haven't rewatched the first time. I watched it. I, I love the surprises. I love the shocks. Um, I love the humor. I was laughing a lot. But um, you know, so I saw one comment that I think was actually quite um, insightful, and it, which was basically that The Last Jedi seems like a very good episode of TV, but not necessarily movie. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff like having having a plot line that goes nowhere but results in a thematic <laughs> connection or a character so. development is very appropriate for tv yeah, I somebody, imagine somebody that. would tell you yeah. hey that's a great show but skip yeah. episodes three and four they don't actually exactly <laughs> exactly well the, like, the entire overall one ship chasing another ship in slow motions did, did feel incredibly like battlestar galactica exactly <laughs> yeah like this could easily have been middle of season two battlestar galactica episode that you can maybe skip upon rewatch hmm. uh i would like to uh real quick a friend of mine wendy she couldn't uh, join us tonight, but I thought it would be nice for change <laughs> to have a, a diverse <laughs> opinion. Uh, and she had sent me, we emailed about this, and she sent me an email that I thought was uh, worth reading, and I asked her if it was okay, and she said it is. So, my friend Wendy, she wrote, uh, the whole casino part was definitely unnecessary. I was very upset. Poe didn't trust Leia or Laura Dern's plan slash vision. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I agree. The surprises were great. Kylo killing Snoke. Who the heck is Snoke, by the way? Uh, the scene between Ray and Kylo uh, fighting all of the red dudes was awesome. Um, Yoda guiding Luke and being Yoda. Shirtless Kylo was amazing. I had no idea <laughs> all of that was under there. <laughs> um, now. Yeah. Jedi mind trick Luke was very unexpected. She really, really loved it. Um, she's excited for where it's going because there's still much. This is very unlike me right here. She's she's very excited for where it's going because we still have so much to learn. The love triangle between Ray, Finn, and Rose is kind of exciting for me because I'm a girl. Ha ha. How does Leia die? Does Jedi spirit Luke come back next movie to guide Ray? An interesting question, that. Uh, are there more Force-sensitive people that are going to pop up to make an army with Rey for the final battle? 
Uh, the one thing I do know now is that I hope Kylo doesn't die. I think for once it would be great that someone who is conflicted could be turned to the light and achieve that balance. So she had she had a lot of interesting ideas there that hadn't occurred to me. Uh, I don't necessarily see the Ray, Finn, and Rose thing, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I'm, and you all definitely agree with her about shirtless Kylo, I'm sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> it was in my I notes. I respect so. that, man. He's, he's, he's buff. Jedi, Sith Lords and Dark Side, you know, Force users should be buff, I think. Um, yeah, how does Leia die? There's a whole... I felt so morbid. Um, I, this is so awful, but I know I'm not the only person that thought this. Like, I'm watching this movie, and I'm constantly wondering, what changes did they make to the movie because Carrie Fisher died? The first time she goes in, like, at the beginning, when it seems like she's just died, and, and when, instead we get Super Leia, which we'll, we'll just... I'm sure in a moment. <laughs> um, the first time we got... First time that happened, I thought, oh, my God, she just I really thought she was dead. I thought that she was dead right then. And then that was what they did. And then I thought maybe that was their plan all along. And they just didn't want to spoil it and say when everybody freaked out about after she died, what's going to happen to Star Wars? They didn't spoil it. So they didn't say, oh, actually, she dies in the movie. So don't worry. And then she came back and then I was just utterly confused and i kept waiting for some kind of closure with her character i kept waiting for them to do something i thought maybe when when luke did the uh new hope obi-wan disappear thing um going to the force or whatever i thought maybe she's going to do it too because there's like a shot before she gets on the falcon and ray is looking at her and the camera kind of pushes in and she almost the way she moves it's almost weirdly synthetic and i thought maybe this was a cg thing and they're going to make her go and she didn't i kept the whole movie, I kept waiting for the explanation of how she dies in this movie, and she didn't. And my first question is, am I the only person that is that had this unfortunate, uh, morbid experience uh, the first time you watched the movie? Uh, and my second question is, what do you want to see happen with her character, other than no more Super Leia? Oh, I had the same experience. I thought there were several points in the film where... <laughs> She could have died, including when um, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo offers to stay behind. I thought Leia was actually going to stay behind on the ship and ram it into the First Order fleet. So, yeah, I'm actually I was shocked that she did not die in this movie. And I don't know what they can do with her except for an off-screen peaceful death. I don't think. Or maybe they'll say that she died in some first first order order raid, but that might seem that that would be pretty anticlimactic. So I, I I really don't know. I don't I don't envy J.J. Abrams in writing the script for Episode Nine. Brian, uh, well, you know, when you see that that she when you see the photography and you see her that she's on the Falcon, they've shot it already, and that they've they put her inside of the the Rebel base on Planet Crate. You kind of realize like, oh, it would take a Ridley Scott. Uh, all the money in the world level of expertise to try to remove her from, from those scenes and logistically reshoot with the other actors. So I, I respect that, like, the choice to not do that. Uh, I, I, I also feel like, oh, well, now that, that, that her, her, her screen, her handled in a way that I'm not sure is going to be satisfying now. But, you know, I honestly don't know what you can do from this point. But yes, I did have that feeling of thinking, oh, maybe she didn't pass away there. Oh, there's Ryan Johnson defying expectations again. Maybe she's going to pass away 
somewhere else and it didn't. So, you know, you kind of did want to be able to say goodbye to the character in a similar way that you, you know, maybe there'll be a similar thing like there was in Star Trek Beyond where we'll say goodbye to the character that way, I guess. I don't know. Like the Spock. That said, I loved Leia in this movie and I thought this movie itself was a very good goodbye to the character. I don't, I don't feel like I need much more. She had, she had a lot of great scenes and there's just something nice about <laughs> thinking that Leia, the character, survives even when the actress Carrie Fisher doesn't. I, I, there's a poignancy there that I think works. Well, it it, it wasn't intentional. Oh no! Uh, of not. But yeah. be, given that they didn't know that she was going to die when they were making the movie, but losing Luke was clearly intentional. Losing Han in Force Awakens was was clearly intentional. There is this sense. More so than in Force Awakens, here I have the sense of of passing it on to the next generation. If I can make a Star Trek joke, <laughs> um, there there is that sense of you know the next movie could could be uh, the conclusion of the Skywalker story, and it wouldn't need Luke to be that, which I wouldn't have guessed was going to be the case when they embarked on this trilogy. Mm-hmm. You could almost... It's so hard for me to talk about this movie without thinking about it in context, right? And um, But this could almost have been the end, right? Uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about... <laughs> wait, wait, I forgot to ask. I just got to ask. Uh, Super Leia. Brian, <laughs> thumbs down, right? Thumbs way down on Super Leia, yeah. Steve, yeah. thumbs up or down Super Leia? <laughs> down. <laughs> Dom? I liked it in the theater just because, again, with the context of Carrie's passing, there's something cathartic about seeing the character come back to life. The special effects were kind of wonky, and I think on when I rewatched the movie, I'm, I suspect I probably won't like it as much. But, you know, I admit, in the theater, it did made me smile when she came back. That's something else, just generally about special effects. Something else I remember Brian mentioning to Brian on Thursday night. You know, if, if you can rewatch some of the older Star Wars movies now and see how some of the effects and stuff were dated, but at the time, always you would come out, you would watch a Star Wars movie, and for the time, it was state of the art, and you were like, "That's some of the best effects work I've ever seen." This is the first Star Wars movie that I came out of it thinking, you know, some of the special effects weren't so great. You know, and the second mm-hmm. time I saw it, they they were those things that bothered me were, were like worse. There was a there was a shot uh, when uh, Luke is tr- the first lesson. I think it was the first lesson with uh, Ray, and she sits on that uh, rock, and he says, "You know, reach out." When they when they're first coming through the little KB thing out onto the ledge, and it's kind of a shot, you know, face on, showing them walking out. As if you were, you know, uh, a few feet away, looking back toward the rocks, um, and it just looked—it looked like a like TV work to me. It looked—I thought the special effects there were pretty bad. There were other suits. There was a there was a por- portion during the Salt Planet when they're flying those little rigs, and I and I know that kind of stuff's hard because they had they had humans in open cockpits flying around there, so I'm sure that stuff is hard, but. There were there were just there were times when I when I was disappointed in the effects and I never feel that way. It really is. I, I I'm sure I've said this before, but it, there was a time when when Lucas effects and stuff were 
the best period period yeah and in in our lifetimes we've seen that go away you know it's i don't know it's probably weta now but yeah um, they even turn a new movie out every year yeah yeah even yoda seemed a bit um a bit off for some reason do we know i mean obviously they were going for the puppet look yeah. was he cg or did they actually shoot a puppet I, I, it's a it's a puppet that was actually molded from the original molds they said from the Empire puppet. I find it hard to believe it looks like the Return of the Jedi version more. And that the and that the eyes apparently on that puppet were painted by the same woman who painted the eyes on the puppet in the original trilogy. So wow. it is it is a puppet. 100%. Did Frank Oz actually yep. did work the, the puppet? He did the voice. I know he did the voice. Did he work the puppet? I think so. That's wow. what I heard. Okay. Um, I have read that he did not work the puppet, but uh, uh, did you read that he did? Because I think I read that he didn't. But I might be wrong on that. I don't. He convinced Ryan Johnson to re, re, re uh, uh, insert some scenes that had been cut with Yoda mm-hmm. um, that are in the finished feature. Now that he asked them to be put back in when Ryan Johnson showed him a cut that they had been removed from. Hmm. What, so Yoda was in it less, or he wasn't in it at all. He was in it less, uh, and uh, and he asked to be put back. And I have a feeling that maybe we just, you know, there's a lot of little moments cut together in that sequence where he shows up, and I have a feeling that there, some of those were probably cut out, and he probably said, oh, put those back in. But I, I <coughs> couldn't tell you what they were. There must have been a whole lot of people asking for things to be put back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's kind of talk about the characters. I want to go through the characters uh, before we get to some of this these overall kind of ending comments um how did you guys feel about luke he clearly um he he was not the wise old obi-wan character they gave him somewhere to go dramatically you know he was more than just a mentor a lot more uh you know you just watched the trailers. That's what you thought. You thought you were going into a movie where Luke was was training Ray to be a Jedi, right? Uh, and that's not at all what that was. Um, I like that they gave him something more than just the old mentor. I do think they were pushing a little bit for me, but I think Mark Hamill is great. I really do. And even now, I still think he's great. What are you guys' thoughts on? I, I love the, the idea of Mark movie. Hamill. As, I'm sorry, of Luke Skywalker being the reluctant mentor. I think that's what it has to be. It can't just be that. Oh yes, please come here, and I'll be happy to show you all my secrets. I love the idea of Luke Skywalker as the reluctant mentor, and he shouldn't come into this situation wanting to give away all his secrets for free. And I love that there's some fear involved. He's afraid to do it. Um, but what you lose here, what's disappointing about the Ray Luke relationship, is that there's no time. For training, the story goes by so fast because it's happening in this real time as this chase is happening that you don't get uh, a good development and a feeling that he turns around and does pass on this wisdom to her reluctantly and she takes it or doesn't take it or whatnot. So because the original trilogy allowed there's some time for that relationship to build and here you don't get that. And I think we're at a loss for that. Anybody else? Luke thoughts? Um, so I actually had, I was initially a bit more surprised that Luke was so funny. He, he, he wasn't a grumpy old man. He was a prickly old man who <coughs> get off my lawn type character. And I wasn't sure how to take that. 
And then my girlfriend uh, put it in a way that made sense to me. And it was more like this was like an homage to Mark Hamill playing Luke. Because there's a lot of Mark Hamill's personality in this version of Luke. You know, the playfulness, you know, the Joker side of him. And it kind of clicked into place for me at that point. Um, and I really liked that part of it. And I also liked the twist that he was tempted to, to kill Ky- uh, Ben Solo in his sleep. I kind of wish we had a bit more contextualization for that. You know, if this is the guy who saw good in Darth Vader, what did he see in Ben Solo that was so dark that he thought about killing him in his sleep? That I kind of feel like that needed a bit more, but I do like I do like where they went with that. I do think it's an interesting twist in the character, and it ties into the, the film's larger theme of how we deal with failure. Hmm. <clears throat> well, this this leads me to for a second. They've really changed kind of a lot about they've, they've changed a lot about the force and about Jedi training uh, in in this movie in particular there were there were hints at it in the force awakens but you know you you some of the things that Luke does the fact that uh, Ray's parents were nobody uh, um, Brian and Dom you guys are the are the big Star Wars fans, I, I'd love to hear what you guys think about about the subtle changes. Which, which, which thing? Ray, I'll, I'll just talk about Ray's parents first, and that is um, <clears throat> I don't 100% accept the fact that Ray's parents are nobodies. I, I have a feeling that that could be uh, a throw-off that you know is given, and uh, maybe there's some ambiguity there. It's not as on the nose as I am your father, where you could debate it for three years and then find out if it's the truth. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when she's in that dark place and she's kind of, you know, which is, again, is another thing that doesn't really pay off so well, where you see those multiple, you know, versions of her, uh, going toward the glass. I I thought that was going to be maybe the first of three sequences. And by the time you got to the third one, you'd actually see, you know, who was on the other side of, you know, the mirror era set or whatever that thing was, you know, so it would have been nice to, to, to have that experience. So I don't, I don't exactly hundred percent buy, I think it's still unresolved who Ray's parents are. That's just my opinion. I think as of now in the story, <clears throat> we are supposed to understand that her parents are nobodies again, because it fits in with the story that Johnson is t- trying to tell in the movie that, you know, anybody has the potential for greatness is a little, you know, to pay attention to little people, um, you know, and I, I, I like the, I like that revelation. I like it a lot. I think, you know, it kind of pushes back on the notion that we got in the prequels that, um, being a Jedi, being somebody special meant you had to come from a certain bloodline. And, um, you know, this is, I think this does return Star Wars back to what I think it was supposed to be in A New Hope, which is, you know, Luke, Luke was nobody, you know, but he had the potential for greatness. You know, that 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 sense that anybody could be a hero. Um, so I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, but where it's but George Lucas that. knew Luke was Vader's son when he did. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. That didn't even come up until they were writing the uh, script for Empire. I, I disagree because I, if you look at some of the early drafts that had lay, the, the the female character being 
woman, I think that she was the daughter of Anakin Starkiller, or what was his name back then? Lord Valerium, the Black Light. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember it. Yeah, they're, 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 the Vader character isn't fully formed at that point. But no, no, but she wasn't, I don't think she was the daughter of that character. She was the daughter of somebody in the Imperial hierarchy. She was like a princess. But there's actually a comic adaptation of that early script. And it's, it's you don't have the, and you don't have the, the main hero's father being Vader twist quite the same way you do in Empire. It's not, that's, that definitely, that came much later when Lucas was deciding you know, what to do in the absence of an Obi-Wan Kenobi and what to do about Luke's father and what to do about Vader and decided combining Vader's Vader and Luke's father into one made sense dramatically for the story. But Well, either way, this movie, um, for, for example, when it comes to race parents, this mm-hmm. movie, there's so many things about this movie that it feels like um, Johnson did not have some blueprint on the wall that JJ and Kazdan left for him. Yeah. You know, it feels like he had there's force awakens and now I get to do whatever I want mm-hmm. and stuff like, like race parents or nobodies. I do not think that's what JJ had in mind. No. Well, well the word is that Kathleen Kennedy approached him and said, where does the story go from here? You know, which Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people seem to really like that. I don't necessarily like that. I think that that through all the other movies you can do that with, but for Star Wars, I kind of am hoping for something that's a little bit more to a conclusion that's planned out. But that's just me. I guess I view that more as a problem with The Force Awakens and J.J. Abrams's whole mystery box approach to storytelling. Yeah, you know, and J.J. Abrams is the one that opened these mysteries without having any plan for them. So. You know, and he could very easily have told Rain Johnson and Lucasfilm, "Oh, this is what I meant when a, uh, you know, I, you know, the speculation about Ray's parents." But he didn't. You know, so. I think if all of us were in a room together and said that someone said, "Well, this is character named Ray. Write this character who's going to be the star, the next, you know, Jedi," and we don't know who her, you know, but she doesn't know who her parents are, we would want to know. I think between the four of us, like, okay, well, we have to know so that it, when it's revealed later, it, it makes sense, you know. So, I have a feeling it's set, kind of impossible that he would not. Have and it's had set up idea. like it's something, you know. There's there's shots of the you know memory whatever of the ship going by and Simon Pegg's alien guy, you know, taking her in or whatever. And that stuff was was more than a passing second. Um, yeah, but it's it's J.J. Abrams, and this is the same guy who put polar bears on an island and lost, and had all these other red herrings and lost. So I don't I don't put it past him. All right. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what's happening on Lost, right? They, what that <laughs> stuff is—the smoke monster. Well, Ray is the smoke monster. Well, here's another thing that I I have a feeling was not necessarily what he, J.J. intended. Uh, Snoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. We don't learn anything about him, and now he's dead. And that's another thing I, I agree with uh, my friend Wendy for bringing up. Like, who the hell is Snoke? And yeah. Brian and I talked about, you know, Johnson saying something along the lines of, I don't care who Snoke is. I don't need to know. Um, you know, when I see a movie, I don't need the backstory of the villain or whatever. Um, but <laughs> it was another one of these great, the long list of, uh, wow, that was surprising killing snoke mm-hmm. that's a moment that i thought i was going to see in the next movie that entire sequence with the 
you know, is she going to turn? Is he, he's trying to turn her, and Kylo Ren is there. You know, it's very, very reminds you very much of the sequence between the Emperor and Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi. Um, that entire sequence was basically what I expected to see in the next movie. So that it was here was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did enjoy that. And it was, I was even more surprised that uh, Snoke bought it. And I liked that. That was probably, that was kind of my favorite section of the whole movie. Then yeah. they fight the red dudes and then Kylo Ren does not turn Kylo Ren, you know, but I'm getting past my, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Snoke. So, uh, as a character, does it bother you guys that that's it for it? That we didn't learn much more? Did, did you enjoy? Was it was it worth <laughs> his presence? The, the the enjoyment you got out of the of the surprise of his demise uh, was all of that worth losing his character? And did you want to know more? So the thing, I don't, the thing that Ryan Johnson said today online was <clears> that <throat> I don't want him to go into a monologue about who he was. And it's very funny what he said. He said, I don't want him to explain to Ray, oh, I, I'm really Darth, Darth Plagueis. And then Ray says, who's Darth Plagueis? And he wastes, you know, a few minutes talking about that. And it's funny. He got to a point at the end of that. And he goes, I'm not saying that Snoke is Darth Plagueis, you know, <laughs> and, which is which is funny because it just goes to show how much people want to know. Yeah. Even he realizes how much people want to know who that character is only because there's a history to this. And we see, we, we believe at the end of Return of the Jedi that the, the Sith have been defeated and there are no more, you know, no more, no less, you know, always a master and apprentice. So we've killed them both. There can't be anyone else. And this guy is so powerful, so strong with the Force and the dark side or whatnot. And he's also in, in charge of this new empire you gotta have a reason for why he's yeah. there, and and uh, and it's very unsatisfying to not get that. Yeah, I mean, I don't need an expert. First of all, I love Twist with Snoke, and I agree that was my favorite part of the movie. Um, that said, I don't think we need a backstory for Snoke in that, and like a twenty-minute monologue about who this guy is, where he comes from, how he did in high school, and all that. But I think we needed a bit more backstory to really. To care about this mo, to care about the movie, to care about the characters, because like Snoke was the leader of the First Order. Well, we don't really the First Order. That's like those are the villains in the movie, and we don't really know who they are. We don't really know their goals. We don't know their motives. And defining Snoke might have helped with that. Like when when Snoke is killed, Kylo Ren just takes over the First Order as if nothing happened, and everybody seems to accept him, which just seems very odd. I don't. Again, like maybe. Providing some context for Snoke might have clarified what was going on. And also, what what is Snoke's relationship with Ben Solo? Is he like a surrogate father figure? Or is he a cult leader? Or is he the boss that he doesn't like? You know, I yeah, think if he had because he's mentioned he's mentioned by Luke Skywalker. Oh, by that yeah. time Snoke had already got to him. Yeah, right. Where was that? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I think killing Snoke, having Kylo Ren kill Snoke, would have been more impactful if we'd known what their relationship was like. So it, it's not, it's not just backstory for the sake of backstory or, Oh, this guy's Darth Plagueis and disguise, but just, you know, giving us a bit more of a reason to feel invested in the, the characters and what they're doing. Steve, what did you, how did you feel about Snoke? Did you feel wanting? Uh, I mean, I, I, I can see all these points, uh, but I think it's one of the lesser problems i would have you know as far as making a change <clears throat> to what's here because i think it's it's one of these things that you you 
at some point you you can you only have so much time you know to explain things and cover a bunch of ground and stuff and i, I think in a way there's there's a little again i'm talking down about this which is i think it's generally a good film and all that but i think that it's it's almost trying to pack too much into one one thing where stuff suffers a little bit you know if you try to cover too many too many subplots and this kind of thing and i think this is one of these but again having said that i think this is one of the lesser red herring problems i have i think this in general you have too many of these uh that doesn't matter and here's the unexpected thing going on you know at some Mm -hmm. point like i said before if you have too much of that it's just like none of it none of it matters and again i think it comes back to um you know i'm you know obviously i do this podcast and we're mostly talking about star trek of course and so i i know all about canon and backstory and details and you know on one hand you it's a balance right you can't just dwell in that zone but you also can't not reference it in the least ever because then it's not really what what it's about anymore Mm -hmm. you know star wars has quite a bit of that now we're in you know, there's a lot, a lot of movies now, a lot of backstory, and uh, if you just kind of just ignore, not, not like you know, fly in the face of the, the canon of the story, but not tell the story like, you know, totally different than what what you're used to how how it's being told to you, or you don't cover the kind of details that people who like this kind of thing like, and then you're going to run into some problems sometimes. I think. Uh, so I did like the Snoke sequence, and I. I liked the interaction between Snoke and Ray and Kylo and Ren and that whole. Let's talk about uh, just kind of Ray and Kylo Ren. Uh, are you, did their characters go where you expected them to go based on Force Awakens? Um, do you like who they are, what they did? I mean, how did you feel about them in this movie, Ray and Kylo? Ben. Ray and I wasn't Kylo that's my perfect. favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just the everything about them is perfect. You know, I think I feel like they're two characters that they they seem to get right. You know, and having them have a dialogue, which you know is is not unlike you know Luke communicating with Darth Vader. You know, the way that they would talk sometimes was just fantastic. And even their even their sequences when they you know we we didn't get it didn't go too much farther. But you know the fact that they could see each other. That's amazing. You know, and the fact that, they, that uh, I could see you, but I can't see where you are. Um, I, I, Kylo Ren is, is dripping water from the fountains where she was near, you know, I mean, <coughs> that was just so well done. So everything about those two is, it gets a thumbs up for me. As far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, I wasn't too surprised by uh, their character arcs in this movie. I was a bit surprised that neither of them really faced any real temptation to go to the other side. Um, I was expecting more of a more of a scene like we got in Empire Strikes Back, where when Luke goes into the dark side cave, you know, something a bit darker for Rey. And I was also expecting Kylo Ren to show more signs of light, um, but it seemed like there was maybe that moment in the throne room where they might team up for the long term. But other than that, I was actually a bit surprised at how how much they stayed on their own side. I I um I enjoyed the the that whole element of it with them communicating and that because it was it was different but it didn't feel totally foreign to the, everything else right and I think in a way and I'm not sure how they would have done this I I get that ultimately it kind of went where everyone expected it to go um, on opposing sides and all that stuff too but it's almost it's almost like it's kind of 
it, it, it loses something because all of that, you know, again, we're just like Snoke. Oh, I, I did that on purpose. I brought you guys so I could lure here, lure her here. La la la. That, that's that. And then it's all just and they team up, and that's what like that's the coolest part. That's the coolest part is like they're when they're teaming up, fighting, and all that. And you're thinking, man, that's that's something different. And then then they go their own ways, and it's all back to the way it was before. You know, and it's just okay. I don't know exactly how you would do anything differently, really, and tell the story like you want to, but. I thought that was the, the most interesting element overall of the film. Well, I think that what you could do, and I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll try to be quick about this. I think what you could do is you could have them be teamed up for the majority of the movie, you know, and they, they could be in a situation where they're remote and they have to get off that ship and they have to work together or something happens. And then he reveals, no, I'm not turned. But it, it all happened so fast, you know. It, you, people were cheering when he when he started, you know, when he saved her, basically, yeah, and yeah. They, you know, it was cheering. And I think that needed to last a little bit longer for us to have that impact of like, no, he's not a good guy. You know, that would have been <clears> cool, <throat> I think, save that for the, the end of the third act. What about uh, Finn and Poe? I, I thought um, Poe, considering, I, if I recall, his character was originally not even supposed to survive Force Awakens. Yeah. You know, he, he, in some ways, he had he had the most character arc of anybody in this movie. Yep. He really did, uh, and I enjoyed his character, and I liked seeing that arc. Uh, Finn, Finn, not so much. He didn't have so much. Uh, it's not that he didn't have anything to do, but he didn't have much of an arc. Um, but he did, if, at least over the context of starting with Force Awakens, he had that arc a little bit with Phasma, and there was a conclusion to that. Um, so I feel like I guess I'm saying I think Poe kind of fared a little better, but I still like Finn just because I like Finn and Boyega's great. Um, you guys have any thoughts on either one of those characters? I agree about Poe. I thought Poe's arc was <clears throat> maybe one of the better arcs in, in all of Star Wars. Just the idea that it's it's basically taking the Star Wars trope of the hotshot pilot who comes in and saves the day by being dashing and heroic and just turning it on its head. No, you know, being a hotshot pilot, sometimes that risks lives. Sometimes you get people killed doing that. Sometimes you have to learn to be a good soldier, take orders, trust your, you know, not not just, you know, you don't, like, you know, and I love, the, I love um, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo, too, like, the, and the relationship between them. You know, no, sometimes, sometimes you're not privy to the, you know, to the uh, discussions of the Vice Admirals and the Generals. You're just, you're just a captain, you know. It's, it's, it's a, it was an important lesson for the character to learn and I think more than any other character, maybe aside from Kylo Ren, I'm really excited to see where Poe goes because I, it feels like, it feels like a lesson this important, you know, is setting him up for something more. You know, I, maybe I hope that leadership to resistance. I hope he's not just, you know, General Poe. Um, I mean, I for as much as I love Leia and, you know, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. She, it feels like half the time her scenes in the in Force Awakens and this one were just those shots, just like in you know New Hope, standing around the the planning board or whatever as the oper- actual operation is going on, you know, biting her nails, that kind of thing. Um, and I want him in the action. Yes, yeah. I, I wanted her in the action, but she did fire a blaster once whenever uh, Finn and. Yeah, one of her own soldiers, but crashed there. Uh, yeah, uh, 
she does have more action than anybody else. I mean, she's Mary Poppins, y'all, in this thing. I think she definitely gets to fly through space and stuff. So she's, <laughs> she's up there. It's such a it's such a specific uh, special superpower, right? I mean, you know, you you can survive out in space and fly back into the, you know, but you're useless the rest of the time. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. The, the only thing you can do, you can't. That doesn't apply to anything else. Per, you know, that you can beat up bad guys right. with. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about Rose. Rose is an entirely new character. I. You know, it, overall, I love the diversity of this movie. This is, I guess I hadn't thought about it till this moment, but may, maybe this is the most diverse Star Wars movie in, in, in 2017. That's what I want, you know, and I think that's great. I believe she's Vietnamese, the actress. I, I thought she was good. I just felt like her character didn't serve much of a purpose and didn't, didn't feel very interesting or unique. And I just want to be clear that this has nothing to do with diversity. This is just a story comment. Uh, and I wanted her to um, have more to do with the actual movie. And maybe I am completely missed something, and you guys can tell me how I'm wrong there. I don't think you're wrong. I think the idea of Rose is amazing. You know, it's a mechanic. You know, and she she adores Finn, and of course, is dis in front disenchanted when she sees you know, what he's trying to do and shocks him and stuff. So she's got balls, you know. She wants to go. She's willing to go on this mission. Uh, all that's great, you know. The just the like I said, that's all related to the idea of Rose, but the execution of it, I didn't enjoy it all. I found her to be a useless character. Yeah, I kind of. I kind of agree. I, I like I like Rose. I didn't I I don't mind the the, the excursion to Canto Bite as much as a lot of other people seem to. But I guess the biggest thing I would have to say is, you know, the the the, the um, Asian woman in the beginning in the battle scene in the beginning, um, Paige Tico is her sister, and I just she does I don't think she speaks a single word in the movie. But I found myself caring much more about her just because the setup and where she has to click the button to drop the bombs. It was just really well done, tense moment, and I felt like I, you know, I cared more about that character, learned more about it, and thought that character was just, you know, a great addition to the movie. Whereas Rose, it just felt like, you know, could have been like she was almost like an exposition machine, where in Cantabai she was the one to give exposition about the the one percent and you know the, you know, growing <coughs> up as a slave and. That was all important for the theme, but I just didn't feel like I got to know the character as well. <clears throat> she also has a line at the end that's supposed to be resounding. It didn't come out that way. Her actions at the end, stopping Friend from doing, would have been an amazing thing to stop him from being able to break open that wall, you know? Or, and then she keeps him from doing it, and then, oh, we're supposed to save the things we love. I just didn't relate to anything else. So I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe she should have, or maybe she should have knocked him out of the way and then she blew up the device because she cares about Finn so much. You know, that's what I thought was going to happen. But well, I know. I did, yeah, I agree with all that. I did like, though, that what she had to say and how it kind of that was a, a, a theme in the movie was that idea because you had... Um, Kylo Ren, who obviously just wanted to wipe away history. I mean, his uh, his notion was clean slate, 
you know, you just destroy it all and that kind of thing. You know, he's not the first person to think that way. And that that statement she made, and again, I wish they would have dealt with that more and dwell and dwelled on that a little more in some way or another. But that idea of, you know, it's not it's not about just destroying what you hate, you know, saving what you love. And some, I, I like that idea and we see a little bit of it in the film, but I wish we would have seen more of it. Um, I think that's an interesting theme. Hate is was communicated very well because that's what Kylo Ren wanted to do. And that sure as hell is what Luke wanted to do or destroy the past. If, if just mm-hmm. Kylo Ren wants to destroy the past, I think Luke Skywalker definitely wanted to destroy the past mm-hmm. too. Uh, a great antithesis to that, I think would have been awesome. But I didn't yeah. think we had that. <clears throat> Were you guys hoping for uh, better demise from Phasma, or at least more of it? I I, I thought I, I liked it, and I'm glad it was Finn that killed her. <laughs> but um, it was weird. It was almost like Boba Fett, right from from Empire, where people seemed to really be interested in that character, even though the character didn't do much. Phasma did almost nothing in the Force Awakens, but. Maybe Boba just because she Mango looked Fett cool. And Darth Maul. They sell a lot of action figures and costumes and stuff and looks awesome. And then you just don't get a rich character on the screen. Well, granted, Darth Maul wasn't meant to be like a rich character, but he did kill Qui-Gon Jinn. So he did do something that was you know, impressive or important to the story. I mean, I've waited 16 years to see a Sith. Like, whoa. Well, yeah. When we see a real Sith Lord in their prime doing what they do... I expect him to have more than two lines of dialogue, you know, and I think that's all. Oh, he yeah, had but the dialogue wasn't right? the point. He was an assassin, and he did his job. Like I don't, I don't know. And then it's not so much about Darth Maul, but I think for Phasma, the issue is like, when does she do anything worthwhile? Like she, in the first movie, she betrays the First Order and loses their shields, somehow survives, only to be back with the First Order. Nobody suspects her of lowering their shields, only to die a quick death in this movie. I kind of just well, I have like a feeling that in Force Awakens, when they asked who lowered the shield at Starkiller Base, I think she might have just been whistling under her mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he did I don't it. Think anybody? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was TK four seven eight. Or am I wrong? Is there something in the in the novels that said that she knows that they know it was her? I don't know. Do you know that? Uh, I don't Stop. know. Probably, but like, okay. it just. It just seems like why bring her back? You know, they could have just said that she died at the end of Force Awakens and the trash compactor. Or just well, the like, same reason that they brought, say, Boba Fett back, right? Because people seem to really like that character, even though some of it had just been based on the way she looked. But yeah, it didn't bother me. I'm I'm glad she had a meaningful death, and that Finn, you know, there was something to his uh, character mm-hmm. as a continuation from Force Awakens. Um, what do you guys think of DJ? So we we kind of talked about it briefly, but you know Benicio del Toro's character. Um, I guess I too was hoping there'd be a little more to him than meets the eye, but there wasn't. But I, I don't know. I guess it didn't bother me. I, I maybe I would have liked it better, but it didn't. Do you, I mean, do you do you expect us to see him again? I guess I don't. Did he did he survive? Is what you're asking, right? Did he survive being on Snoke's ship when? The I guess I'm assuming that he survived. I don't know. I don't know. I liked him. It was an interesting performance from Benicio del Toro. Um, kind of a side to the Star Wars universe we don't see. Um, and he was like the anti-Lando, the, the the scoundrel who doesn't just join the good side. And I like that. Like I don't. Not everybody in Star Wars needs a redemption story. You know, not everybody in Star Wars needs to be 
a scoundrel who turns into a hero. Some some guys, some scoundrels are just scoundrels, and I'm fine with that. Did you guys know Yoda was going to be in this movie? No. No. Not that anybody did. Steve, how did you feel when you saw Yoda? Um, You're like, who's that guy again? <laughs> <laughs> he looks I so- was... <laughs> yeah, I was... He's a little bit like an Orion, but it's kind of short. <laughs> right, right. No, I was, I was mildly amused. I mean, I, I don't know. It's fun, you know, that kind of thing. It's fun. I, my first, just my instinctive reaction was, you know, too, playing on too much nostalgia. Nostalgia, we don't need this. Ugh. I think I've kind of felt kind of ugh. But that lasted just a couple of seconds. And I actually, you know, I ate a little crow there and thought, no, this is a good use of Yoda. It's a nice moment between Luke and Yoda. Mm-hmm. And he's got something to say. And if somebody is going to turn around his brain a little bit, Yoda is the only person I can think of that could pull that off with Luke. You know, Yoda is the only person that Luke would would really listen to. Uh, so I I guess I'm saying I I liked it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot. <clears throat> okay, I didn't necessarily like the way that Yoda was handled. Uh, in, in the movie. I like that he's in it, you know, and I, you know, at the end of the day, his message that he conveyed was great, but um, uh, he still treats Luke Skywalker as this kind of dumb apprentice a little bit, you know what I mean? I would rather see, uh, and I, I think I would rather see Yoda laughing a lot less, and because uh, I think we've gotten past that where he's, he can be more serious and speak in the terms that he speaks. I just wanted a more serious Yoda and less of the laughing. Uh, hitting him in the face with his cane sort of thing like that. That's not what yeah. I wanted to see. Well, it, it was definitely the um, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi Yoda, and not the prequel Yoda. Not just visually, but character-wise. But even in Empire Strikes Back, Yoda initially <clears throat> has kind of that, that, that rascally quality, and that's, but that's when he's testing Luke. That's before he reveals that he is the Jedi Master. Once he, once he gets yeah. to that point, Yoda becomes more serious. I think the humor with Yoda is just part of the issue that I think it sounds like many people have had with the humor in the film. It is very self-aware. That it's very, almost breaks the fourth wall. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I think with Yoda, for the most part, worked. Although when he talks about page turners, that just seemed like too much of a colloquialism for somebody like Yoda to use. (laughs) I've always had an issue with Star Wars using colloquialisms. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I mean, everybody agrees Empire is the best movie, but every time Han says, then I'll see you in hell, I I, I, a little bit, every time. Well, are Uh, you okay with Poe Dameron going, okay, I'll hold? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a a good example of, is the humor going too far? Now, everybody laughed. I think I did too. But you know what? The second time I saw it, I did not laugh. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I hated it, but that's the kind of thing where that, not the critic hat but the star wars fan hat the guy that's going to watch the marathons which i know i'm the only one that does that but the guy that's going to watch all the star wars movies back to back and stuff that's the kind of stuff we're watching this movie uh many times i could see how it might get grading mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me that these colloquialisms and stuff because i accept that you know it's 
their books, you know, and their pages yeah. and paper and stuff. And, you know, when you <laughs> when you see the Death Star where the, everyone's talking that first time, those chairs have wheels on the bottom, you know. So I, I accept some of some of that stuff. And then again, when I see the casino planet, I'm like, no. This, this but did you feel like there was, there was uh, too much humor or the humor went too far for the sake of humor? I think I think the I'm still holding sequence is is fair game for that question. Well, here, here's what I would say is I I think that uh, I think that the humor is a sign even though it's not my favorite thing it's probably not the way I want to go it's a sign of the times of what makes a contemporary movie you know and a contemporary movie has has been largely defined by what you see in the Marvel films and they are yeah. chock full of humor. So I don't think there's any getting away from that. That's just what a movie is now. And if you don't have it, I think something would be amiss, even though that's not kind of the way I go about it. Yeah, but I kind of worry that, like, you know, Star Wars is in Marvel, and it's not good when I think, oh, the humor in Last Jedi reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is actually what I wrote in my review. Um, Oh, okay. I agree. I found most of the humor was funny. I laughed at it. But I think, as you all said, like, I don't know if it's going to hold up on rewatch. Like, I don't know, you know, like this is, it's now part of the official Star Wars story that like Yoda's referencing page turners or Ho's putting Hux on hold or BBA hijacks and ATST and, uh, you know, yeah. shoots up stormtroopers. And like, it's, it's funny, but like, it's also like, I don't know. So am I able to still take the story seriously? I don't know. Well, Steve, something you said a minute ago, I mean, it, does it seem like it's, Going too far for you? Does it, does it feel like it's pushing that f- almost the fourth wall thing? Um, a, a little, a little bit. It's hard to say where that boundary is. Uh, it just feels like it's, you know, I think it's, I think it's a tough thing. I think I agree with what's been said in that, uh, you know, it just there's a certain f- vibe and you know elements that are used in current films on the whole. But you know, on the other hand, not everything is all is all the same you know you do have choices and is there a way to write the dialogue without the euphemisms and it still be funny is there a way to just uh, you know kind of <clears throat> twist a couple things a little differently and we don't have this conversation you know maybe is it laziness you know do you are you, you know if you're writing this and you're just saying oh this is like this kind of thing and these are the common kind of things that make people laugh you know i don't know Changing gears a, a little bit because we're running low on time. Do you guys have any thoughts on uh, Johnny Williams' music? I was I was slightly disappointed after Force Awakens only because I wasn't as blown away by the music as I was every other Star Wars score. Mm-hmm. But we did it. We did get uh, Ray's theme. Um, Thing. Like you said, Brian, uh, mm-hmm. used to say, you know, Johnny Williams always gave us at least one new thing for each movie. Um, and even in Force Awakens, we, we did get race theme. Uh, on one hand, I, I maybe like this score a little bit better. And as I listen to it by itself, I think maybe that's just because he was reusing some of the older Star Wars themes he didn't use last time that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the, you know, but on the other hand, I'm not sure that we got, did we get a new theme? I, I'm not sure we did. There's a theme for Rose, but it's not anything particularly memorable or 
Um, yeah, I, I thought the music was fine, but it's not. Um, you know, I think, as you said, no major new themes. Um, I I think kind of makes a bit more sense in this case, though, because unlike the other Star Wars movies, Last Jedi takes place hours or days after The Force Awakens, so it makes sense that we'd be hearing a lot of the same music. You know, that he'd be. We had the March of the Resistance. We had Kylo Ren's theme. So it, it fits that, that, that the music doesn't sound radically different. Um, I maybe would have liked something that, that wowed me a bit more, but I don't. I didn't walk away from the theater thinking, oh, the soundtrack was disappointing. Is it weird that, like, R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca... Those characters almost feel like window dressing or something. Like they're just there for. I mean, I guess that's okay. I don't. I. That's it, the kind of thing I didn't think about until the second time I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, we get those fun nostalgic moments. Luke seeing R two. Luke winking at three PO. Um, but. Well, they don't get to come along on any adventures like they used to. You know, they they, <laughs> they specifically even bring BB eight with them. Um, when they go to, uh, God knows why, but when they sneak aboard that ship, they bring BB-8 with them, you know, which is the kind of thing you would normally have, have R2 and 3PO4. So they have seem to have been relegated to the back and BB-8 is up front. And if they go do anything, he's going to come along. So I agree with you. I missed that because I've always thought that, you know, let's respect one thing that was intended and set the droids would be in every movie. I just don't think they were intended to be on the sidelines in every movie. Yeah, I mean, I see that, but I also wouldn't want them to be shoved into a, a plot line just just so we can say they were in a plot. I, I, I you know, if 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 Ron Johnson didn't find a better use for them, then you know, then so be it. I'm not too I'm not too disappointed. <clears throat> All right. So, I tend to I tend to watch movies like in my brain. I love movies so much. I love films so much that I I kind of try to I try, I try to start every movie like at a hundred percent. Like every movie is the greatest movie I've ever, I've ever seen until I've seen it. I, I I really try. I'm unsuccessful sometimes, but that's kind of what I how I I try to do these things. Always when I'm watching a movie. I feel myself going off in one direction or, in the, or another, and it's pretty consistent. Whatever direction I'm going, I tend to just continue in that direction. Even if it's just flat, it'll stay flat. You know what I mean? Th- this movie was very unusual to me, and maybe it's because of the structure or something, but I really had this sense, and, I, and I'm, constantly, I'm constantly thinking, do I like this? Do I not like this? Why? Um, mm-hmm. And that's not maybe that's not how the people watch movies, uh, but that's kind of how I am. And as I'm watching this, in a, in a big movie like Star Wars, it's even more so, and I can't help it. That's all I'm thinking. Um, this movie was very unusual for me in that, like I, I felt like I liked it, and then I felt like I didn't. And I remember that that sequence when they were. Uh, running on the casino planet with the animals, and I thought, nope, I don't like this movie, and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I mean, I really thought that. And then it came back again, and I thought, oh, I like this. 
no, yes, I like this. Overall, I like this. And then there was yet another moment when I was unsure again. Um, so it, it's very odd in that way. It's very, like, it, watching it a second time, I thought it would solidify, and it kind of didn't. It solidified that I can't tell by it doesn't need to be there. Uh, but other than that, it's it's just weird. Like Like Force Awakens, when I came out of it, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I felt very strongly about it being a Star Wars movie, and in some ways, not so much redefining Star Wars, but but taking back that def- the original definition from what the sequels had kind of redefined it as, right? And this movie constantly surprising me, and existing as such a different animal. I don't know how I'm going to feel about this movie in six months or a year or six years. And I'm, that's an unusual feeling for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad. I suppose if I like it more later, it'll be good. <laughs> if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes numbers, this is interesting. Brian pointed this out the other day and it's still true. I checked it. So like the critical number, very high. It's like in the nineties, right? Um, the audience score was like in the mid fifties, which is rotten technically, which is middling. You know, that's pretty middling. Since I brought that to your attention, I feel the need to explain that the new new news has arisen about that, uh, and that is that uh, there's been a lot of uh, bots that have been used to post some of these reviews and do thumbs up and thumbs down, and so now it's looked at that the cinema score, which is the kind of thing when they interview people when they that's the exit on a scientific score. scale the exit polls are right up there with the critic score so the um it turns out that the rotten tomatoes <clears throat> audience reviews are are completely unreliable and you know i even though i thought that was a very interesting thing before it turns out that the whole thing's been disproven today although i don't know how much i buy that frankly because I and mean, we can talk with the, the methodology the rotten tomatoes and cinema score later but like you know even in our discussion we're not as gung ho about this movie. I and I like the movie. I definitely don't rate it as like a rotten movie. But and I and like I I browsed a lot of comments on online and Star Wars forums and comments on YouTube. And most of the comments are not that gung ho about this movie. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's anecdotal, the but that's I been my experience too. Is that nice. everybody I've talked to, it's been it's been polarizing. Let me put it yeah. that way. Yeah. I haven't talked to a lot of people that are like. Yeah, I liked it. It was all right. No, yeah. I've talked to people like 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 Wendy that was like, I loved it. I was fist bumping in the one scene. It was so great. I and then I've talked to people like this other buddy at work, Tom, who he was so upset about it. He hated it so much that he he said, I can't talk about it. I mm-hmm. I can't talk about <laughs> it for a while. Yeah. You know. Uh, when we came out of it, Brian, I know you were you were not feeling you you were feeling I was very upset. <laughs> Very upset. We're very upset. But uh, so, but it's been very polarizing, and that's again okay, fine. It's anecdotal, but I don't know. There may be fifteen people that I've personally talked to about it. It's they've all been pretty extreme, yeah, one way or the other. Like the if the I look at hundred comments on Facebook, like, it's like sorry. 50. When, when when you're in the movie theater watching this movie, and I've seen it twice now, mm-hmm. the, the theater is on fire, and the people yeah. are absolutely loving this movie. So I know that, that there's not a difference my, between... my second experience, I saw really? sold-out room. I saw it on a, a Dolby Vision screen. 
which by the way, I don't see this movie Dolby Vision. It almost looks like they didn't even grade it in Dolby Vision. That was disappointing. Um, uh, sold out room on a Sunday afternoon. And all those moments that people cheered and laughed at on Thursday night, not a one got a response. Really? Not a one. I'm not surprised. Well, look, I will say this. It's been a, it's been a controversial movie, but I do have to tip my hat to Disney, Lucasfilm, and Ryan Johnson for making a bold movie. This feels like you know, Force Awakens, I said, was very safe. The Last Jedi is not safe. And this feels very much like a Ryan Johnson movie. And I just, I really applaud Disney Lucas and Lucasfilm for letting Ryan Johnson, giving him that creative freedom. That's something very rare in a franchise film. Um, certainly nothing, we don't, haven't seen anything like this in Marvel. Um, you know, so I, I, I hope Disney and Lucasfilm continue that. I'm, I'm glad that we've got a, an interesting movie out of all of this. So. Whatever you know, whatever we all think of it, that that should be, you know, I I hope that message gets through to uh, Disney and Lucasfilm. Well, you know, I think, I think is interesting is you you mentioned uh, you said something about Mar- the Marvel films and this kind of thing, you know, um, and I don't I'm not going to say it's related to anything of being all under the same umbrella and everything now, but um, what I do feel is the same kind of thing I do feel after seeing most Marvel films in that. It's good. Of course it's good. All the crap's there that makes it good. But that's kind of one good of these things. Yeah, it's good crap, but it's it's I'm not saying it's crap. I'm just saying it's 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 we're on a we're on a, a uh, on a track here of it becoming same old crap. I mean, I think, you know, it, like the Marvel films are, you know, where it's like, oh, it's good. Of course it's good. Same good. It's getting good just like the other one, like the last one, like the next one, like the last one. I mean, at some point do we not hit a wall where it's, someone just enough people decide these are all the same kinds of things and the same kinds of humor and action elements and all this stuff too. And it's just, I'm losing interest now. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe enough different people come in on it and, and get brought up in and stuff. You know, um, it, it's funny you say that. Cause I did the second time I watched last Jedi, I did have this sense. I remember, I remember somebody, I, I think I talked about this before, but I think it was Polygon or some website had a headline. Uh, when after Disney bought Lucasfilm and they announced this movie that was would end up being Force Awakens, and they wrote like the headline was, "You will not live to see the last Star Wars movie." <laughs> <laughs> and I did have this sense when I was watching the Last Jedi for the second time. And this is this is terrible, but I really for, I just had a flash for a moment like of is is what I love so much about. What I enjoyed so much about The Force Awakens, just because I hadn't gotten that in a decade, was that what it was? Because I just had this flash while I was watching Last Jedi of, you know, they make a Star Wars movie every year for the next 20 years. And if this is what, if this is what it has to continue to be, very quickly, within a few years, I don't know how much I'm going to care anymore. And that was, I hated that feeling. And it was only a flash. And I quickly pushed it back into the dark recesses <laughs> of my mind. Um, but I did, have that, that I did have that sense of if, 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 if the definition of a Star Wars movie is this, is this very, very specific thing. And if that's what you have to do to make a movie that is Star Wars. And then you want to keep making them every year. Then that's it's such a it's such a of course you're going to just keep remaking the same damn movie and nobody wants that I don't want that either um, and in all the same ways that the Last Jedi 
delighted me, which tended to be the surprising stuff, these were some of the same <laughs> the same things that um, held me back. Like I, I I feel like the the jerky little troll that wants it both ways, you know, um, surprise me, but give me the same thing over and over again. You know, I don't know the answer. They don't pay me millions of dollars to figure this out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just the one that, that complains, I guess. I don't know. I guess I came away a bit more optimistic and that the force awakens Rogue one and the last should I all feel like very different films and they feel, especially the force awakens and rope, uh, Actually, I feel like films of their directors. They feel like, you know, Force Awakens was very much a J.J. Abrams film. This is very much a Ryan Johnson film, where I don't get that with Marvel. So I just, like, Marvel feels much more like a factory line. Um, like, I can't even name any of the directors associated with Marvel films except for uh, James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's like, so I, I, I do feel a bit more optimistic about Star Wars and that, you know, maybe they are going to let directors have their creative vision. Yeah, but even there, we we have plenty of data to prove that that is only within limits. (laughs) Yeah, I keep hearing (laughs) you fired more directors than I can name. Versus the Lucasfilm movies. And and my feeling is the exact opposite, is that Marvel is much more of a director's realm and Lucasfilm is much more of a Kathleen Kennedy realm. Really? But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you any any differences between the Marvel movies. Again, aside from Guardians, they all the same. Doctor Strange... Is a completely different movie from what Ant Man is, and uh, yeah. I, I could go and I don't want to mess up your whole Star Trek, Star Wars podcast talking about the Marvel movies. <laughs> but my fear is that is that the um, is that the it's very telling that Daisy Ridley had this quote about I'm done with this after the third movie, and then this past couple of weeks has spent time saying no, 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 I didn't mean to say I was done with this, and it made me kind of feel like. Well, if Disney's Disney sure as hell isn't done with this, and they like to have movies where there's guys, bad guys in white armor, and good guys wearing something else fighting them, that leads me to believe that there's a possibility that the last, that the, whatever this episode nine is, I get just, there's a feeling that Disney will want to keep this, you know, if they want to make spinoff movies about, which has been suggested that there might be spinoff movies about Ray and some of the other characters, mm. you may see spinoff movies of them and of who would they be fighting? Well, they'd be fighting an empire or a first order or something, which leads me to believe that maybe this movie episode nine will end like, you know, Red matrix revolutions where there's some kind of truce or it's, it's unresolved complete. It's not resolved a hundred percent enough that it gives you the jumping off point to make something else. Even if that's not episode 10. Well, let's talk about as our final thing here. Um, what do you, hope to see from episode nine as i was saying uh earlier you know on one hand i enjoyed all some of the surprises in this movie so many things that i expected to not happen until episode nine but now those things have happened so there's not going to phasma's not going to be in the next movie snoke is not going to be in the next movie i mean pretty much all you've got leia's not going to be in the next movie if Luke is in it, he's not going to be in it very much. He's just going to be a ghost, Jedi ghost, right? Force ghost. Uh, it's 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 Ray and Finn and Poe, and on one side, and Kylo Ren and I guess Hux on the other side. Um, and the entire so, Resistance, which can fit inside of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> uh, well, they're just the spark. That's all we need is a spark. <laughs> So what are you guys hoping to see from the next movie? 
do you agree with Wendy that you hope Kylo Ren survives and and finds the light? Lando. <laughs> I actually don't think it'd be too crazy to see him, given especially that Leia has died. It might be nice to have some original trilogy make character make a cameo. But and actually, what I really would like to see is um, uh, some follow-up to some of the more interesting themes in The Last Jedi, in particular, something something that gives this whole episode from one through nine some sense of continuity, some some through line. Because you know, one of my criticisms of The Force Awakens is it felt like a reset button. We have the Rebels fighting the Empire again, but maybe make it so this time it feels different. This time. It's not just like the Return of the Jedi where they defeat the Empire. Maybe maybe make it something about how this time the victory matters because maybe it improves a lot of the lives of the average person, like you know, the little stable boy at the end of the last Jedi. Like maybe maybe make it clear that like, his life gets better. You know, something that makes this all seem worthwhile. The whole nine episode arc, things are better in the galaxy. You know, the average person finally has a voice in things. It's not just a Game of Thrones to be, you know, to use a reference to another franchise. So, I don't know, maybe I'd like something like that, where it's kind of, you know, you have something... Unfortunately, for the reasons Brian was just saying, and, and for and for this concept of you will not see to live, you will not live to see the last Star Wars movie, it's very hard to imagine Disney giving us that level of closure. Yeah. I actually don't buy that argument, though, in that, you know, for, with Rogue One and Solo, and there's plenty of material for, for the mind within the, within, in between the movies. Um, and, you know, I, Daisy Ridley, I don't think she had any intention of signing up for more than three, for one trilogy anyways, and that was always the plan. So I don't, I don't think, and they have, state, they have stated publicly that they are taking a break from the episodic movies after episode nine. That there might be an episode ten in the future, but that there's no maybe plans for it. So I don't think we're going to see. I mean, they have plans for another 10. trilogy with Johnson. Well, which could take place any time. So they have to place a thousand years in the future or a thousand years in the past. So the opening crawl could say, kind of recently, not too long ago, but back in 2015. <laughs> Brian, what what are you hoping for out of a the next and ep- final episode of these Skywalker films? There's a moment in the original Karate Kid where uh, Mr. Miyagi walks in on, on on Ralph Macchio and he's trying to learn karate from a book and uh, he says something to the effect of like you're gonna try to learn this, you know, from from the book. And I have a little bit of fear that Ray having the uh, the cliff notes <laughs> on how to be a Jedi means that she's going to, you know, teach herself, you know, like, um, or by herself from these books, you know, and do an online course or whatever and learn how to be a Jedi. Uh, my only hope is that the only thing I have anticipation for is that there maybe will Maybe she'll lose the books and then she'll fly around like Greatest American Hero. The Greatest American Hero. <laughs> <laughs> she, she'll... She'll kind of have, she'll throw the lightsaber, or, but she'll throw it and it'll hit the wrong person or something like that. Right. That would be awesome. Um, 
but uh, the the idea that, that that there's so my my hope is that she becomes a Jedi Knight and and has all of those powers, understands the Force, uh, loses a little bit of her uh, you know fun personality and becomes more withdrawn a little bit like Luke is, where he kind of is like, okay, I'm not I'm not playing around anymore. I'm matured now. Or she makes that journey, and for God's sakes, please give us some time between this movie and the next one. And I don't mean release date. I mean Let's have the passage of time for some things yeah. to happen. I don't want to see it just jump off into the next movie. Mm-hmm. I love uh, episode two. Obviously, it was going to open with a lot of years because he goes from a, Anakin goes from a child to an adult. But I love the the passage of time between episodes one and two when you know you see Obi Wan and Anakin riding up that elevator, and you know you're just like, yeah, they've they've had an entire life here. There have been years yeah. of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Even between Star Wars and Empire, you know, Luke is well established within the rebellion or whatnot. He's a pilot for them now, and it's just a town as a general and looking to get out and stuff. And it's just we need that here. Steve, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I would like to see some type of closure to it. You know, I know they're going to keep making films in some respect, but. Don't you know? Just uh, I, I don't even know what exactly it is I want, but I I, I don't I don't <clears throat> I don't want to I don't want to be the same a formula where you've seen it all before. I also don't want the it to seem like not even in the same realm. You know, like some some of the things we've addressed in this that there are some elements in this one too. So I think it's I think it's a it's it's a tough it's a tough job putting these together and and i mean especially this next film that's you know supposedly wrapping up the skywalker story how do you wrap up you know now that all these people are dead and they've already told this story now how do you wrap it up how do you encompass what this whole thing was about um, but not just retread on these same topics and still you know, finish up these arcs for these newer characters. You know, it, it's it's tricky. There's a lot. That's a lot to do. Do you think JJ is starting from scratch, or do you think he's working with Trevorrow's script? I didn't think about that before. Hmm. No idea, but he apparently is made or is making the pitch to Bob either very soon. Um, so they, I don't think they have. I don't think they even have a script yet. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I've heard. He, I've heard he's done. He's done the story pitch already. That's what I heard. And they have this. What's the working title? Black Diamond. I think it was like. Within, I think it was within the past few days that that happened. Yeah. yeah. So you've, you've heard within the past few days that J.J. Abrams has been up on the sixth floor. Yeah. On the Disney lot. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Is that right? I'm just telling you what I read in the trades. That's all. Um. So I I I like this movie. I think it's good. I think it's going to be a, a while before I solidify on it. And I think worst case, it'll end up just being a um, good movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's worst case. Uh, and then it would it could, it could break my desire to watch all the Star Wars movies back to back a million times as I already planned to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on the movie, anybody? 
I'm glad the Star Wars is still around, and I'm glad that there's still a red lightsaber and a blue lightsaber and some spaceships, and I'm glad it's not, you know, terrible. So even though it, you know, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, I didn't, I'm not fans of Luke having Loki powers of projection, but even with that, I'm glad there's Star Wars still around. I'm glad Can you Star imagine if this had been, if this had been like, you know, not even Suicide Squad, but just like Justice League or having oh, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm glad their Star Wars still around, and I, I don't. I guess I I saw the Last Jedi as more of a creative risk, so I'm glad that this is a franchise that seems like it's willing to embrace that sometimes, and that's, um, you know, I. I, I it's a the last Jedi is a flawed movie. It's not perfect, but I do like it. I'm looking forward to seeing it again, and I do hope that even fans who did not like it, and there do seem to be many, um, give it another chance. You know, let it um, you know digest the film for a bit because it is it is controversial, and there's a lot to there's a lot going on. So, um, but I'm glad it's part of the Star Wars canon. Uh, what I like, what I think I like most about it, and it's something we haven't ad- addressed in great detail, are are the themes that are, are that pervade it. One being that uh, the how the importance of failure in one's life, um, the notion that it's better to it's it's better to embrace the things that we that are great about ourselves and our history versus just tear down and eliminate and forget what what we've hated or what we're embarrassed about um i I think i think there's good stuff there for you know for people to take lessons from you know and i may well i may not be the the best film ever i think it's a good film and i i I like that they're they're doing relevant themes for our day here well who knows maybe uh they keep making them the same in 10 or 20 years. Quentin Tarantino will make an R-rated Star Wars movie. Nice. Okay, super fast. The absolute last thing we're going to do, maybe we can go around the table here and uh, everybody can reference a movie or two, your favorite movie from to 2017 to close out the year. I'm going to go first. You know, my favorite movies this year were so far were probably John Wick 2, Blade Runner 2049, and Wind River. But there was one movie I want to mention uh, Get Out is a movie that I saw back in the spring, and I haven't gone more than a couple of days without thinking about it, which is really unusual for me. And it's a movie that's just really stuck with me in an amazing, unprecedented way. And so despite the fact that it's not my favorite movie of the year, I, ha- I it, it's so unique, and it defies... Uh, genres in so many ways that I just have to mention it and I have to say if I was going to recommend you go out and watch one movie that you haven't maybe seen it would definitely be get out just piggy yeah piggybacking on that I I also really liked get out and I um I yeah I mean we could talk a long time about that that because it it, it is so unique and it's it's um it's message is um, so uniquely told, but so relevant. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, another, I don't, I haven't been to a lot of movies in theaters this year. You know, I have a, a, a 18 month old child and still recovering from or adapting to that, or however you want to say. But uh, um, 
another film I saw recently in theater is, is Lady Bird that I, I really enjoyed. <clears throat> Brian? I think Blade Runner 2049 is a sequel that by all means should have been uh, a, a travesty, the film that maybe should never have been made because it's just it's following up a film that's just a, a masterpiece and it turned out to be quite an awesome film and I really enjoyed it. It holds up even, even as its own film, it holds up and it holds up as a sequel. So love that film. Dom, you got one? I was actually not a fan of Blade Runner 2049, which is odd because Blade Runner is my original, my the original is my favorite film of all time. So for my favorite, um, I haven't seen very many new films in theaters this year, but I would definitely go with War for Planet of the Apes. I just found that to be a really emotionally powerful movie, um, or just a rich character arc in, for, for a bunch of CGI apes. I've never been a big Planet of the Apes fan, but I was bawling at the end of that movie. Um, I just, the character arc that Caesar goes through, I found really great. Yeah, a really good sense of talk about a good sense of um, conclusion, uh, closure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the level of closure I hope we get from an episode nine. Yeah. All right, well, folks, <clears throat> we're so glad that you could join us, and as this is our little way of, of celebrating the holidays. And, you know, um, hanging out with friends and and talking about Star Wars. I'm so grateful to get to do this. And uh, well, I guess the Han Solo is not December. Is is it still supposed to be May? Maybe May. I guess if they were going to delay it, they would have done it by now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I guess we won't be doing this for next year. <laughs> Two years from now. All right. Uh, so we'll—I don't even know what comes out in December of 2018. Podcast. What's that? I'd be happy to show up for your summer podcast. <laughs> to talk about hum. That's true. Well, you, what's the big movie for December 2018? I don't even know. You will not um, live to hear the last Trek Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Dom, remind the folks where they can uh, find you and what you do. Sure, you can find me at Nardy Views. Um, website. It's a WordPress blog site and just occasional musings about science fiction, fantasy movies, books. Um, yeah, so that's you've me. Got and you Jedi uh, reviews up there? Um, I'm going to have a, I'm going to write a full spoiler review later this week. Cool. And Brian? Uh, you can find everything we do at doubleplusgood.com. All of our trailers and TV spots are there. Awesome. <sighs> All right. Um, I don't know what else to say except thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Steve, Brian, Dom, you guys have an excellent Christmas and a great New Year. You too. You too. Thank you. And may the force be with you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I passed it.